If you have your Bible, join me in Psalm 25. The Psalms are always encouraging in that they reveal the heart of those who wrote them to us. Singing has a way of encouraging and uplifting our heart. Now, the psalm is basically a song that we have in written out form that was sung by the nation of Israel and was always an encouragement to them. If you haven't done so this morning, take a few minutes now. I know, third break in just as many uh, segments here, so very quickly. But if you have not had opportunity to sing a little bit with your family or even by yourself, do that now. It, it may be that you go to YouTube and you grab a couple of videos and you sing along with them. But take a minute. Lift your voice in praise to the Lord. We know that gratitude is the guardian of the soul. And if you want your heart to be in tune with God, take a few minutes and praise him. Praise him in song. Praise him in words. But let's do that, and then we'll jump back into Psalm 25 in just a moment. Okay, as we come to Psalm 25, let's read it. And it may be that you skip this part and fast forward. And instead of listening to me read it, you pause and as a family, you read it. Hey, that'd be a great opportunity to sit around if you have little ones. Let them read a little bit, help them through it, help them understand the meaning. But we'll be going through Psalm 25, beginning in verse 1. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness. For they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed. For I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. As the psalm is written by David, and we have it now today, we see some wonderful truths in this passage that I can believe can be an encouragement to our hearts today, especially in all that we're going through, but just in life in general. David came to a place to where he recognized at this moment in his life 
God, what I need most is your guidance in my life. I ask you a question this morning. Do you want God to show you his will or to confirm yours? Now think about that. Do you want God to show you his will or do you want him to confirm your will? Many times as we go through life, we come to God with great situations that that weigh on us. They have great importance to us. And sometimes we come in them and we're so emotionally invested that as we seek God, what we really want is for him to say, okay, go ahead and do what you want to do. We want him to confirm the will that we have, not to truly show us his will. Now for David, David was obviously a strong-willed man. David was a mighty man. Let's not forget that. Sometimes as we read through all that is written about him in the Psalms, we see an emotional side of him that we don't always see of most men. But though David had that emotional side, there is no mistake. David was a mighty, valiant man. And so when David comes before God, there is inside of us an understanding that we have to get that he comes just like you and I with a will of his own, a determination of his own, and desires of his own. But David had a unique way of coming before God and surrendering those desires. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. And it's not just with God. I struggle with that in general. If I go into a store, I have my desires. If I go into a conversation with my wife, I have my desire. What I want to come out of that conversation. When I'm dealing with my children, I have my desire. And in every situation, my will exerts itself. And we recognize that our will, though it can be a valuable part of us and something that is profoundly good, it can also be misguided. And David recognized that his will had to be the first thing that he surrenders before God. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Here is my soul. Here is my will. I give it over to you. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. He knew. He needed. Oh, it was so important that God would guide him. And he knew he had to get his own will out of, his, out of the way. Hey, do you recognize that God wants to guide you? It is not just that God left us here on this earth and allows everything to go on around us and to see it just as, oh, how are you going to come out of this? I heard a pastor say just this past week in regard to all that's going on in the world right now that the disappointments in this life can be God's appointments for our life. Even in the midst of the coronavirus, God wants to guide you. In your home right now, if you are like I am, as I sat even trying to listen to some messages this week and trying to watch our own services online after the fact, I realized how grateful I am for the nursery. Boy, it can be a challenge to pay attention in a service, and you might be struggling with that right now when you don't have a nursery for your little ones. But you know what? Even in the midst of what can be difficulty just trying to watch a service, God's trying to guide, and God's trying to teach us something. And God has so much that you and I can learn right now. And it may be that your work environment is completely up on end. It may be your home situation is completely different. Schoolings, all of these things are different right now. And it's only a shock to us 
It's not a shock to God. God knew all of this was coming. God can work through all of this, and God wants to guide you in all of it. But you have to be willing to surrender your will and say, okay, God, I want you to guide me. And oh, how God can teach us so much. And I hope you're learning in this. I'm learning. I'm learning how selfish I can be. I'm learning some of the struggles that I'm having personally in a situation in which I'm going, God, I don't want to preach to a camera. But recognizing that God can use a camera to get his message out in a home situation that I can't get in right now. And to surrender and say, okay, God, guide me. It's hard to understand, and for some of you, you would certainly sympathize with trying to do what I'm doing right now and just preaching to no one. But the truth is, God's guiding me in this, and God's teaching me something in this. And I want to learn it, and I want God to guide. And God can do so much more than what I can. Are you trusting God to guide you? Oh, my God, I trust in God thee. But when we come to God for guidance, that will and that confirmation of our own will, that balance and that surrender of our will, it's even laid out here, and David helps explain it even more. If you skip down a few verses, remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies, thy loving kindness. But look at verse 8, if you would. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way, the meek, Will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way? Oh, man, the meek, the power under control. Those that recognize, God, you're in control of this. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all of me, I'm going to give it all to you, and God, I'm going to just take all that I have and surrender it and say, you use it, God, how you want. And the meek are the ones that God can now use to teach his ways. The ones who don't have their own agenda. Years ago, I heard an evangelist say, you can't teach a rebel anything. And it's so true. Someone who's rebelling against authority, someone who's rebelling against God, someone who's determined their way is right, you cannot teach them anything. But an individual who says, God, I'm surrendered, teach me. Think about Moses. Here is a man who in all reasonable ways at 40 years of age was a man of authority, was a man of power and position, and was a man who had his own will. He goes, he kills an Egyptian, he looks at the Israelites and he says, don't you know that God's going to deliver you by my hand? God says, oh no, Moses, I'm going to deliver them, but by my hand, not by yours. Moses was not a meek man at 40, so he goes to the backside of a desert. He learns what it's like to live in a wilderness. He knows what it's like now to deal with and to guide sheep. And God brings him back to a place now, 40 years later, to deliver the nation of Israel. But now it's not by Moses' might, it's by God's. Now Moses is not sure of himself. Now Moses is surrendered to God's will. Now Moses is the meekest man on earth. Now, Moses has his own brother, sister, rise up against him. He has elders in the camp rise up against him. He has tens of thousands of people murmur against him. And now there's a man who's meek, who all of that same might that he had at 40 is submitted and surrendered to God. And God says, I will teach you my ways. 
And God defends Moses and God cares for Moses and God guides Moses and through Moses, an entire nation. God wants to guide you. God wants to guide your family. And God will use you as you surrender and allow him. But it only works when we come to God in a meekness that says, not my will, but thine be done. God wants to guide you. God wants to guide the meek and oh, how he does in Moses' life. But God also guides the obedient. Look in verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. David knew his sins were great, and oh, don't you know yours are? Mine are. The sinfulness of my heart overwhelms me. And yet God says, I forgive you, and I want to guide you. So my responsibility is to say, God, I want you to guide me. I surrender my will to yours, and then in the areas you show me, I'm going to obey you. Because God can't guide someone who won't go where he tells them to go, who won't do what he tells them to do. In the simplest steps of obedience, we make our journey to the destination of God's plan. But if we are not willing to take those steps, if we are not willing to yield and to obey in areas where sometimes we don't feel like it, sometimes our will gets in the way, sometimes our emotions, sometimes our desires, whatever it is, if we are not willing to say, okay, God, God, I yield, I give it, it it's yours. You say to do it, I'll do it. I don't have to understand. I don't have to know why. I don't have to want to, but I will keep your covenant because I believe that by taking this step, you will guide me to where I need to be. It is the steps of the good man that are ordered by the Lord. The Lord delights in his way. So I yield my steps over. I obey what I know. And I wait for God to bring me to the place where he would have me to go. If I have my GPS on in the car, it will tell me to turn left here, turn right there, slow down, stop, speed, all of these things. And often my GPS will say something, I don't want to do it. For whatever reason, I'm in the wrong lane and... I tell my wife often when I use my GPS, there's no need for me to use it if I ain't going to listen to it. And so I yield control over to a little voice in my phone. How much more should I yield my voice over? How much more should I yield my way over, excuse me, my obedience over to the still small voice of God, the clear teaching of Scripture that is so much more powerful than my phone? God will guide. He will guide those that are meek. He will guide those that obey. He guides those that fear him. Look at verse 12. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. If there were ever a time in which we recognize the frailty of everything in this world, now is the time. And in our lives, we should recognize how frail everything is, how big God is, and our fear for the Lord should be far greater. Right now, it should be that when I look at what's going on in this world, according to Scripture, I don't fear them that are able to kill the body, but I fear the one who is able to destroy the body and the soul. And so I come before God and I say, God, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want off your way. I don't want to end up in the wrong place. The truth is, I do listen to my GPS because I hate 
to be lost. Now, honestly, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a male pride thing. I don't know. I, I am old enough that I go back to the days where I had to use maps, where you had to stop into a gas station and ask for directions. I remember those days. And I'll tell you, I hate being lost. I hate it. I mean, it just instantly makes me turn red and frustrates me. I hate to be lost. And if I will just listen to the GPS, it will get me there. It may take a little bit longer. It might lead me a different direction than what I think it should, but it does get me there. God never gets lost. God never takes me on a path I don't need to be on. God never wastes my time, sends me on a wrong turn, or gives me information too late. God will always guide me. And I should be scared, not of God, but of getting off of the path of God, of disappointing God, of breaking fellowship with God. God is infinitely powerful, and God can judge and destroy me just like that. But God loves me so much, he wants what's best for me, and the fear of the Lord is my respect for him and trusting that he is teaching me his ways. Fear the Lord. Trust him. Let him guide. Don't get off the path. Be meek. Be obedient. And then finally we see God guides those that wait. Now that doesn't always make sense to us because we take the word wait to be a passive word. Let's look at it in the passage here. Look at verse 3. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Look at verse 20. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Now, you can wait different ways. There's the waiting in the waiting room at anything, the DMV, the doctor's office, the dentist, whatever it is. That waiting is, oh, I wish they would hurry up. And it's a constant frustration. And in that moment of waiting, there's an anticipation about moving on to do something else. Then there is the waiting that is a relaxing waiting. This is the waiting when you're at home and you're waiting on something. And if you're like me, you sit down on the couch and before long, you're no longer quite in this world anymore. You tend to fall asleep because the waiting is a relaxing waiting. That's not the wait here. The wait here is a different word. And the best way I can think to describe it is hunting. Now, I know not everybody hunts, but I enjoy hunting. And when you go hunting, there is a waiting time. So you go out, you get out way too early in the morning, and you go and you climb up in your tree stand. And you get up in that tree stand, and you're now sitting 20 feet or so above all the activity of the world. Generally speaking, it's a little cool that morning while you're out there. And you sit there with whatever instrument you're hunting with, whether it's a bow or a rifle or a muzzleloader, and you sit there and you wait. Now, depending on where you go hunting, that waiting can be a lot of waiting. But regardless, when you're in that tree stand, you are waiting. And you're waiting for something. And you are waiting in anticipation. And you sit there and you hear everything. And people try to pretend like the woods are quiet. They are not. It is a noisy place when you're waiting. When you're listening with anticipation to whatever. 
and you hear a little crackle over to your left and you turn and look and it's a wretched squirrel. And, and then you come back and you just kind of wait and you're trying to be still and you hear and something falls out of a tree or a limb cracks and you're just waiting and you're waiting. But there's an anticipation. There's just, just waiting to hear it. And then at the moment you hear those steps and you hear the animal you're hunting for, a deer in my case, begin to creep through the woods and you hear the crackling and you turn and you look and you see and now you wait and you wait as it gets a little closer and you wait as it comes out from behind the trees and you wait for just that moment. Well, I won't give you any more details for those who are weak at heart, but the waiting of anticipation. David says, let them that wait on the Lord. And to wait with anticipation. God, I know you're going to do something. God, I, I know I'm going to see this answer to prayer. God, I know you're going to guide me. God, I know you're going to reveal. God, I know your name is going to be great. And you're going to do more than I ever thought possible. God, I know. And I'm just waiting. And God, when you lead me, I'm ready to go. You show me and I will do it. You tell me, I will obey. God, I don't want my own will. I want yours. Your way is always better than my way. You want more for me than I could ever want for myself. God, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So God, you show me. You see, in Psalm 51, or excuse me, Psalm 25 here, we see, do you want God to show you his will? Or do you want him to confirm yours? Because God wants to. And he will show his will to the meek. He will show his will to the obedient. He will show his will to those that fear him. And he will show his will to those who wait with an eager anticipation for what God's going to do. I have no idea what God is doing in the world right now. But I know this. He will guide you and he will guide me as we seek him and wait on him. Are you waiting on God today? Do you want him to lead you? Or do you just want to lead yourself and let him kind of keep you out of trouble? I don't want what I can do in this life. I want what he wants me to do in this life. Let us surrender our will and let God guide us.